we were talking about, again, Jacob and Esau and how that Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of pottage. And uh, we, we think about it, you know, something, of course, we can look back and see how important uh, that birthright was. And we talked about all that Jacob or Israel, all that's in the word of God about him. And it was meant to be for Esau. Uh, but Jacob uh, claimed it. And we talked about uh, everything that Israel received in the Bible was originally meant for Esau. But God has a plan for you. God doesn't show favoritism. He has a plan for you. Now, the plan in man's eyes may not be as great as what it ended up being for Jacob, but he does have a plan for you. He has specific ways he wants to use you to glorify Jesus Christ. The only thing stopping God from using you is you. The only thing stopping God from using me is me. Will you let God use you the way that he wants to? Or will you be like Esau and be distracted by the temporal or the immediate or the, what you can get here and now? A choice is ours, but the results are permanent. We, once you make that choice, once you make that step, it's made. Uh, so uh, you can get forgiveness for things. You can... Uh, Change your path, but you've wasted that time that you've been on the wrong path. Think about how much one decision can change your life. One decision. And if you had, if we took time, each of us could go back in our lives and realize, boy, if I just hadn't done that, if I, that one thing, how much it would change. And we would probably say, well, this would, this would be the big one. And we think along, no, this is even bigger than that. It wouldn't be one, but it'd be several that we could think of. But if we think before we make that decision. And then, and let's get to the right part here. Let's see, not be discouraged. You reap more than you sow. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Of course, you're going to reap more than you sow. Uh, the garden of your heart is vast, plenty of room for fruit to grow if you faithfully plant the right seeds. I know I, I, this past year I planted about three planters, about this big, and put, I don't know, I didn't count them, but about a dozen sunflower seeds in each one. Now it was a big sunflower, so it would have been too many, but I, I figured all of them wouldn't live, but I figured I'd end up transplanting some of them out. But odd enough, one sunflower lived in each pot. You would think that's the way I planted it, but it wasn't. I planted about a dozen in there. And uh, so they grew, but even, even though I planted, say, 36 sunflower seeds, each one of those that lived produced hundreds of seeds. And they're still there if y'all want them, you can come get them. But, uh, I, need to, I need to cut that old ugly sunflower down now. <laughs> it ain't pretty as it used to be. Sheila didn't put the pictures of that old dead stock on Facebook. But we're going to reap more than we sow. 
So when you think about that in your spiritual life, we need to realize whether we sow good seed or bad seed, we're going to reap more than what we sowed. It's going to be come back to us manifold, whichever way we do it. You will reap more than you sow, therefore, take every opportunity to plant good seeds. If I like to use farming illustrations, but most of y'all are not farmers, but you, 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 some of you are gardeners. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't purposefully use bad seed. You wouldn't go, uh, maybe you've got some seed in your shed or whatever, and it got wet and got molded and bugs crawled. You wouldn't try to sow that seed. You would, you'd go buy more seed. And so that's the way it is in our spiritual walk. We need to sow good seeds. Because remember, we're sowing, right? As I said last week, or maybe the week before, when you come to church, you sowed all the way here. So we're sowing seeds all the time. One of the <clears throat> greatest biblical examples, excuse me, <clears throat> examples of sowing good seeds is Ruth. Now, Ruth, remember, Ruth was not an Israelite. She was a Moabite. But Naomi and her husband had gone down there to live when times had got hard and seemingly uh, he was out of God's will when he did that. But he went down there and one of the sons married Ruth and uh, well the Naomi's husband died, her two sons died and when Naomi decided to go back to Israel uh, seeing that things were better there now Ruth went with her. And <clears throat> there was a reason that she went with her. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But if you study Ruth's life, she went through several trials. She could have been bitter at God uh, for taking her husband and allowing this pain in her life. Now, it's not like today. I mean, it's hard enough to lose a spouse today, but then... When a woman lost her husband, she lost her livelihood. If you remember when we studied uh, about the uh, martyrs, or about, rather about the missionaries, when missionary to India, one of the things that he uh, got stopped was, and I can't remember what they call it, but then when a, a man died, they killed the wife with him. They just... They, they burned the body. They just put her in there and burned her too because they didn't want to take care of her. They, was, they had too many people. They didn't, and that's, so that, that's how worthless they saw the life of a woman after the husband was gone. Well, the, the, even in, 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 in Moab and in Israel, the life of the woman then, I'm not saying it's right. So don't say I'm, I'm not preaching this. I'm just saying that's, this is the way it was. Uh, she didn't have a whole lot of hope once her husband died. So she could have blamed God with that. And, and, uh, she, but she always chose the higher road. She didn't have to, to leave her home and go with Naomi. Uh, but she went to an under, unfamiliar land. And something that's not familiar in the world today is she, she went out and worked hard. People don't understand that concept today, I know. I think we do here, and I think uh, 
we, I think most of us as parents here have tried to teach or are teaching uh, our children that, that you have to work uh, in this life. But she went out and worked. I mean, she was willing. Now, she didn't go out and get a job and got paid and went to the grocery store. Remember, she went out in a field and just hoped somebody dropped something so she could pick it up. That was her livelihood, and that's what she did. But she worked. As a result of her hard work, the Lord directed her to a man named Boaz. She kept taking good steps, and the Lord directed her path. She took a step that she knew was right, and as she took that step, the Lord would move that path where she's going in the right direction. You know, sometimes you're going around <clears throat> a mountain road, and it's paved road, and you're going, and you can't go real fast, but say you're going around a curve 30 to 35 miles an hour, and you can't see all that far in front of you. You're hopefully driving at a speed that you could stop if something was there. But you're fully expecting that road to go on around that curve. And so you're staying in your lane and driving and trying to drive right. And that's the way we do with the Lord. We, we stay in our lane. We stay on the path that God has for us. And each step that we take, he, he lets us see a little further around the curve. We'll never see the end of the road. But he lets us see a little further each step we take. So because she did that, the Lord beautifully orchestrated Ruth and Boaz's lives together to use them in the line of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In spite of the trials, discomfort, and fears Ruth experienced, she continued to sow good seed. And her seeds are still being sown today because she uh, was an ancestor of our Savior. <coughs> now, you look back and... You think about uh, today, uh, especially, I guess, the most overpaid people in the world, in, our, in the United States anyway, are athletes. And, of course, we're, we're the one to pay. I mean, we're the one to spend the money. And I know some people spend a lot more than others, but it's all coming from us, right? Just like tax dollars, you know, uh, that we probably have less choice about what the athletes about what the government does with their money than what we do with athletes do with their money. But uh, they have all this money. And you say, boy, they're really overpaid. Well, you can look at Ruth's life and you say, well, all she did was do a little farm work and she got to be in line in, as an ancestor of, of our Savior. You say, well, you might think, well, she's, she's really overpaid. For what she did. She didn't really do all that much. But I just want to remind you. You work for the same Savior that she did. So we don't know what the payout's going to be, right? We know if we walk good to pay it. We know what the end is. But we don't know what we're going to receive along the way. But we know it'll be good. And it'll be right. <coughs> But before Ruth sowed seeds, Naomi sowed seeds, and at least one took root and flourished in Ruth. There was something about Naomi 
that made Ruth want to go with her. And she didn't just whimsically say one day, yeah, I think I will go with you. Let's read the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 16, 17. <clears throat> and Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, talking to Naomi now, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee, for whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee from me. She was dedicated to Naomi because Naomi had planted the seed of God in her heart. That's the only thing that can make you do something like that. There's many ways that we can sow seeds. And, of course, I, I know the, one of the first ways we think about is, is giving the gospel. You can give the gospel. You can give money. You can do something in the church, uh, in children's ministry, uh, pray. Many things we can do, but we're always sowing good seeds, so we need to make sure uh, that the seeds we're sowing are good seeds. <clears throat> and I think one way to do that is, B, imagine the consequences of every seed. Too many times we just go about our day and don't really think about what is the outcome going to be of what I'm doing today. Now, word of caution, this may require you to think, all right? We ought to think. We ought to contemplate, think, reason about what we're doing. For every seed you sow, every thought you think, every word you say, every action you do, think about the consequences. We just go through life too often and not thinking about what's going to happen if I do this. A heated argument with a family member or a friend. Think about, is it? I'm not saying you're wrong, but sometimes you don't have to make sure that they know you're right. Is it that important? I know, Sheila, I'm bad about it. Is it that important to lose that relationship, though? There's been people divorced I know my parents almost got divorced over one conversation that was misunderstood. I mean, it went a couple of months, and they were just about ready to split, and they talked about what happened, and they said, I didn't say that. What did you say? Oh, I thought you said this. But they were too mad to talk about it to start with. Choose your words carefully, remembering that you reap more than you sow. <clears throat> In addition to sowing good seeds, consider the consequences of not sowing seeds at all. We have the story of, of John Mark, uh, and Barnabas took him when uh, Paul did not want to, and he took him aside and, and uh, mentored him. And John Mark went on to be a great Christian. But what did Barnabas say? Well, Paul was not going to do anything. I'm not going to do anything. Well, I believe it. I believe that Paul really felt like he didn't do, need to do anything. 
But I believe the Lord laid on Barnabas' heart that he did need to do something, and Barnabas did. And so because of that, John Mark's ministry flourished later on. As you sow seeds, imagine that those result, what those results will be when you are tempted to sin, think about the consequences you will face. But what we think about is we think about the pleasure or receiving of what we want right then, but we ought to think about what's going to take place later. When the Holy Spirit lays something on your heart, consider what could happen if you choose not to obey his leading. It may simply be not doing anything at all. It may not be going out and open sin. It may be that the Holy Spirit is laying on our heart to do something, and we don't do anything. There's a result of that. We'll never know what it is, but there's a result of when we don't do that. And then do not quit on any seed that is good. <coughs> As you sow the seeds God has asked you to sow, don't quit. Just like Barnabas didn't quit with John Mark. As you faithfully plant good seed in your life, remember the words of our transforming truth. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. There will be <clears throat> harvests that we miss because we quit what we were doing, what God wanted us to do. What happens when you plant good seeds in fertile ground and you get good rain? Whatever you planted is going to sprout. It's going to come up. After a little while, you can go out and admire your garden. I know you're not a farm, but garden. Admire your garden and look down the rows where the peas are coming up, the green beans are coming up, the corn is coming up. It's all sprouting, all looking good. Probably the corn before the other two. It's all looking good. And then <clears throat> you get a good week of rain, and another good week of rain, and another good week of rain. Another good week of rain. Not a flood. I'm just saying you've got plenty of rain each week. But after you planted that seed, you didn't go back in there and do anything. You're going to have a real good crop, ain't you? You're not going to have anything. You've been better off to spend what little money you spent on that fertilizer seed went to the grocery store because you ain't getting nothing. The weeds will take it over. Eve made sure of that. So we have to keep working on the good seed that we sow. We shall reap if we faint not. In conclusion, again, the law of the harvest, you reap what you sow, you reap later than you sow, you reap more than you sow. Now that is just completely practical and logical. And we know that when we're planting the seeds in the ground, we just have to apply that to our spiritual life. It's the same process. What, ask yourself, what kind of seeds am I sowing? And here's the challenge again. Go sow a seed. Sow a good seed. 
water that seed, nourish that seed, keep the weeds away from that seed, own that seed, watch it grow, and then keep sowing more seeds. So we're going to go into lesson 13. In lesson 12, we looked at, and I know if I get to lines you need to fill in, I will give them back again to you. I know you don't have the outline for lesson 13. I'll give them to you next week. I don't think we'll get to that point. Lesson 12, we looked again at Proverbs 16:9. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directed his steps. In lesson 13, we look at your path to God's guidance. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So this is really <clears throat> going on the same uh, thought of where we were. It's just continuing on that path. We like to think, you know, we got our lives all figured out, but none of us know what tomorrow holds. And sometimes if we allow it to, that unknowing, that unknown can frighten us. Of course, being a child of God, we shouldn't allow it to. We should trust in the Lord. He's told us clearly in his word what steps we should take as we maneuver through life. He already has set the plan. All we have to do is trust, lean, and acknowledge. So at the conclusion of the lesson, students should be sure that they are truly trusting in the Lord. So you can't go any further if you're not sure about your salvation. If you're not, not only sure about your salvation, but sure that you're trusting on that salvation, sure that you're trusting on that rock. You know, we, we trust God with our eternal souls. But then we go through life trying to take care of everything ourselves. He wants to take care of it for us. And he lays out the path and gives it to us. And all we have to do is follow that path. So we need to make sure that we're trusting in him. You can't follow the path if you're not trusting the path. If you're not trusting the, the God that made the path, you can't follow the path. <clears throat> And then, <clears throat> then determine to fully rely on the Lord for everything. So you, you know that he's able, but then you still have to rely on him. And then choose to acknowledge God all throughout the day. Make it, make it a point to do this. This is something that, that I did many years ago that I tried to do throughout the day that when I, I'm talking about when I'm by myself and when I see something good, as small as it may be, happen in my life, I try to say thank the Lord. I'll say it out loud when I'm by myself. Simple reason, if you say it when people's around, they just think you're just saying it. I might say it to myself. Every time something good happens, praise the Lord. Every little thing. If you drop something on the street 
and you were walking with your friend and you dropped something and it started going toward the storm drain and they reached down and picked that up and grabbed it, I feel pretty sure you'd say thank you or you would show gratitude in some way. So when you're going through your daily life and something happens, what if you're walking down the street by yourself and you drop it and it just stops? Or you're able to get down quick enough to reach it? Who allowed that to happen? God did. Thank him. <clears throat> if you do that consistently, you'll even start thanking him when things go down the drain. Maybe you didn't need what you had. Maybe he wanted to go down a drain. It's easy to thank God for what we see as good, but it's harder to thank God for what we see as bad. So teaching outline, <clears throat> number one is trust, which, and the letter A on that is to be <clears throat> persuaded. I know Agrippa said in the word of God to Paul, he said, Paul, almost thou persuadest me. But I don't do it, does it? Just don't quite get it, does it? To be persuaded is to be convinced by argument or reasons offered or by reasons suggested or by evidence presented in any manner to the mind. We get saved because we accept God into our heart. But the mind has to receive it. The mind has to be persuaded first. You have to understand it. A young child that can't understand that or somebody with a disability that's not able to understand that, they're not responsible. But once we get to that, we have that ability to understand and we're responsible to receive Christ. But we have to understand it first. We have to be persuaded that Christ is who he said he is. As children of God, we must be convinced that the word is God is true. After we're saved, we still have to be convinced that what God is saying in his word other than salvation is true. It's all true. <coughs> and then B, to be obedient. Obedience is the very best way. To be willing you ever seen two kids hug because their parents made them hug? But you ever seen two kids hug because they loved each other? Totally different, ain't it? And see, we ought to obey because we love God. We ought to be willing. The difference in doing something because you're made to do it and doing it because you're willing to do it. And then to lean, that is to rely and to rest. And then acknowledge through prayer, through praise, and through preaching. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 again. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So we have to trust in the word of God. There may be one of the biggest things that is really just destroying our nation. And, of course, we can go all the way back to where they took God out of school 
is what they are teaching our children in school and so many parents are not doing anything about it and don't even know what's going on. They don't believe it. But then what happens, their child believes it. They haven't lived anything in front of them and they can't change their mind. It is absolutely horrible what they teach in some public schools. And I, I, I can't put this on all teachers. It's not all teachers. But the thing is, it's in the administration. And they're pushing it to the children. And they, they never get an opportunity to trust in the Lord. So when they do hear what the Word of God is, they push that aside and they lean to their own understanding what they've been taught. In all thy ways acknowledge him. If we're saved, we ought to acknowledge that in everything that we do in our life. We'll go ahead and, and close there. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for all your many blessings. Lord, help us to follow the path that you have laid out for us. Lord, help us to acknowledge you in all our ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.